following message is being transmitted at the request of the Boundless Podtrap movie review and the guys of the BPT. What you are about to hear contains spoilers to movies. If you don't want to hear these spoilers, please disengage your listening device at this time. If you can't handle those with a possible differing view on a movie, you may also want to disengage your listening device at this time. Stay tuned for a movie review that only the guys at the Boundless Pod Trap can give you. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. It is episode nine of the BPT movie review. How is everybody doing today, tonight, whatever? Fantastic. My feet are kind of warm. <laughs> I wonder why. They should be good now because you've had your surgery already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, almost I'm, dancing. Two two weeks. You can't dance. I couldn't do that in the first he, place. What if he could start dancing now? The only thing this, about him this. is the way he walks. <laughs> It's because it's a giant dick gets in the way. And the way he fishes, too. Oh. Anyways, this is the BPT Movie Review, where we review one movie for about an hour. Um, the Tonight's pick is my pick. Uh, it's actually a movie that was shot here in Omaha, Nebraska, at the high school I graduated from. And it was filmed in 1997, but it wasn't released until 1999. And it was directed by an Omaha native, Alexander Payne. Um, he's done a lot of movies out there. He did a movie, Nebraska, Downsizing, uh, About Schmidt. Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids. Most of his movies, he shoots here in Omaha, at least part of it. And this one was something kind of different than what he normally did. It's, yeah. It was a, more of a comedy movie. Well, it was a comedy movie. The 1999 movie... <laughs> Election. Thank you. Yeah. You did that for me? Yes, I did. <laughs> this one was a, a, a very interesting cast. It was uh, starring Matthew Broderick, Reese Witherspoon, and it was actually the theatrical debut of Chris Klein, yeah. who is an Omaha native as well. True. And I don't know if that's a good thing that Alexander <laughs> Payne discovered this guy or not. I don't know. I mean, he's not terrible, but I feel he plays the same character in most majority of the movies. I mean, his second movie he ever did after election was American Pie, and he was the exact same character, the jock. He was um, a little not as over-exuberant, I guess, in that one. That's one thing I really liked about <laughs> this one is, like, his his expressions were... I think he's probably my favorite character in this. Well, it's just he's like, just I, so positive. I, probably in his head, he thought that this was as far as he was going. He probably wasn't going to do anything after this. But and he's seen the paycheck and he's like, "Yeah, I could get into yeah, this." Yeah, exactly. I'm not doing anything. But uh, so I'm going to read the synopsis here real quick. Um, I don't go with the IMDb synopsis because whoever does that is pretty lazy. It's pretty. I've been noticing lately and, and generic, and it's come on, it's like uh, they do some shit. A synopsis is supposed to make you want to see a movie, uh. and theirs are just like, I don't even know if this is a movie. So anyways, here is the synopsis for Election. Jim McAllister, a well-liked high school government teacher, can't help but notice that successful student Tracy Flick uses less than ethical tactics to get what she wants. When Tracy runs for school president, Jim feels that she will be a poor influence on the student body and convinces Paul 
a dim-witted but popular student-athlete to run against Tracy. When she becomes aware of Jim's secret involvement in the race, a bitter feud is sparked. So yeah, that's a little bit better than, I think IMDb's was like, Jim McAllister is a teacher and Reese Witherspoon plays Tracy Flick and she's a student. Okay. Thanks. Thumbs up. (laughs) Before we get into this, let's uh, start with our rating system for any new listeners out there. We give it a one through 10, one being a bad movie, five being it was a good movie, it wasn't bad, and 10 being it was an extraordinary movie. So we're going to just start with you, Justin, and what did you give Election? Because it's been a while, like, I remember when this came out, a lot of people really loved it, but because it was based around politics, I kind of put it off. I didn't understand back then how much of a dark comedy it actually is. I'm like, wow, they they really delve into, like, it's not dark, dark, but, like, there's there's certain themes, um, you know, depression or or just getting yourself in a bind, rock in a hard place type of thing. The comedy, a little dry at times. Certain characters kind of boost things here and there. The deadpan, straight out character, I guess, of a, like Tracy Flick. Like, as much as I hate her character, I love that she played it like that. <laughs> I give it a seven and a half. Ooh, 7.5. All right, Lonnie. You know, I, I like this movie. The downfall of this movie is I think it was made about 10 years too early. You think so? I, I do. I think this movie was way too smart for its time. I think this. You think mo- today's climate will understand it? No, I think today's climate it would be wrong for. But I think around like the 2007 to 2010 era, it would have been perfect. I think there was lots of themes in this movie that if they would have stuck with, it would have been fantastic. Like if they would have focused more on Chris Klein's sister in that theme of the movie, it could have been fantastic. But they didn't. They kind of went more in the comedy route. Where, left her open and did a lot. Yeah, and like that dynamic where it was the three of them in the race for presidency, I think that could have been amazing, oh, yeah. but they didn't. They went more for the comedy route, and I think that was more of the MTV influence on the movie than Alexander Payne's influence on the movie because I think that was the product they were trying to make and maybe not necessarily the product that Alexander Payne wanted to make. I don't know. That's something we will never know because we didn't have hands in the movie, but other than that, I think it was smart where it needed to be smart. It was funny where it needed to be funny. For the most part, all the acting was great. It was a movie where adults played kids, and they felt like kids. Right. They didn't feel like adults playing kids. They felt like kids. Not 90210 style. Like, right, oh, yeah. Not, not like Luke Perry. It's like, I can get you fake beer, and I can vote for the next president. Like, fuck you, bro. Not like Rizzo and Grease, who looked yeah. like she was in her 50s. She's like, I need to get a pap smear before gym class. Um, but no, it's a great movie. I, I would give it a seven, yeah. All right. All right. So I don't know, like with with what you said about it being 10 years too early, I feel that if it would have been released 10 years later, it would have had to have been watered down. A different movie. I think it was the 90s. People weren't offended by everything back then. But I just think that this movie, and it's not just because it was filmed here in the high school I went to, but... I like 90s comedy movies. Same. You know that. And, I mean, Unemployed is a reflection of that. Throwback um, a tribute to it. Yeah. And this was no different. I it, it wasn't as crazy as, like, some of my favorites, like Dumb and Dumber. There's something about Mary. 
I had to get Dumb and Dumber in there. You guys, know <laughs> I, I didn't say Cable Guy, um, but uh, everyone. But I like simple plots to movies. I feel like right. my movies are simple plots. It's just all in what you do with it. And this was a says the guy who's like love loving Animal Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> That's different. <laughs> but it was a unique plot, and it was it was just a fun plot, and right. it was easy to follow along, and there wasn't anything like convoluted convoluted is that the word i'm looking for i get uh it it was just very a fun movie and it had humor in the right parts yeah there are some parts where it's just like "Eh, swinging a miss but i'm gonna give this movie an 8.5 so let's tally that up and what's the average that comes out to a bpt rating of eight is that the highest one no no still one cut of the dead i think is still our highest rated movie yeah Right. And and I agree with you to a sense. Like modern day audience, absolutely. Right now, this movie would be would be crucified. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's why I said ten years. Like I think around the oh seven, oh eight, oh nine, I still think this movie would be appreciated. I think you I think, could still leave yeah. in a lot of the the humor, and it would still be appreciated. But I think a lot of the subject material would be a little bit more time sensitive. Right. Oh, yeah. I think the movie was too smart for the MTV generation at that time. They wanted the Jim Carrey's. They wanted the, the loud, obnoxious yeah. humor. Not saying that the people who watched this movie at that time were dumb, but they wanted a certain genre of humor that MTV was pumping out, and this might not necessarily been their specific genre of humor, and that might be why this movie kind of was not as successfully watched as they hoped because this this it, it, i think it grossed 15 million yeah just on, under 15 on a 25 million dollar budget yeah. well that's the thing about this movie is that it when it first came out it wasn't as popular as i thought but as time went on it's become i don't want to know if i want to say a cult classic but it definitely is one that people talk about. And even right. in preparation for this, I was watching a lot of interviews with like mainly Matthew Broderick. And these panels, they always bring up this movie. And I think that's interesting because if you look at his track record, I mean, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Um, Cable's he's got bigger names. Yeah. And, you know. uh, Producers, yeah. But some interesting things I found out about the um, director, Alexander Payne, is he said he never wanted to do a high school movie. He always hated it. He read this script and he agreed to do it because of one scene in particular that he was envisioning in his head. And Justin, before we recorded, you had asked what our favorite scene was. Well, one of my favorite scenes is when Matthew Broderick's character, Mr. McAllister, is getting a hotel room to meet up with his mistress. There's a scene where he's in the bathtub and he's got his button up shirt on his tie and his pants are off and he's in the tub hunched over and he's scrubbing his balls and taint uh, with with, with soap and that is why alexander payne agreed to do this movie because he could envision that shot and he said the rest of the movie was built around that one scene (laughs) so that's kind of interesting that that's what he did but i have some interesting facts i'm just going to read this first one here because this would be an interesting thing. I, I think that it was... Well, I'll ask you before I go into that. Do you guys think that this was cast perfectly? Perfectly? I don't think that every character necessarily needs to have a perfect um, role. I mean, like, the 
principal, the janitor, the, I mean, if you're talking about like the main four or five people, the, you know, Matthew, Tracy, Paul, the sister, uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, like, the main the main characters. Were I think they can yeah. be easily like Matthew Broderick, close to perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Reese Withers. Reese really took it. Yeah, she. I mean, it's it's her role. I can't necessarily see. Any, mm, I mean, Chris, if I Chris Klein's character is probably the only character I think that you know they could have done other options. And I, I really worked. liked his. Like, if we were going back to like the favorite scene thing, like. His over exuberance. It's like he's so excited. Like the part where he walks into the diner where Matthew Broderick is eating by himself after like his his the bee sting. It's like what an hour or so. It's in. right after the election. Yeah, right? yeah. when they the results. And then Paul wins. Paul comes in and like he's like he's limping in because he still has like the leg cast. And then like his eyes pretty much almost immediately you know fix on Mister <laughs> Mister M. And then he's like, oh, like his jaw <laughs> drops, and he's like, oh, there he is, well, there he is. Yeah. But the thing is, he could get away with stuff like that because he was new. Nobody yeah. knew who he was. That this was and, his first movie. That and like his reactions are easy because his eyes always have like that watery glossiness to it. Like he looks so innocent. Right. So the only other person I feel, and this is yet yeah, very typecast to me, that I think could have played Reese Witherspoon's role would be, I think, Christina Ricci. Like oh, that yeah. same look, feel, and sound, yeah. just make her more of a brunette or that dark hairstyle. I don't think Christine Ricci could have pulled off that that blonde, yeah, almost preppy. And she's done style. blonde a few times in like some it horrors. Just, but yeah, it doesn't look well. But when you put Christina Ricci up there in front of Witherspoon, it's like I'm going to more so like the Tracy Flick character instead of like kind of be standoffish. Well, and and I don't mean I have her be that same character. Have her be that same uppity very bubbly personality but yet still they have the same look they have the same acting style but i think that would be the only substitute that i could see big matthew broderick perfect in that role chris klein great in that role i could see it chris klein there's so many interchangeable roles at that point like maybe a devin sawa could have been okay at a chris klein role but then the budget severely goes up I think Chris Klein's perfect for that role. Kept the budget low. Well, I, I think it's smart to get a new, and that was Alexander said he wanted to get somebody a new, fresh face in this movie because, like, you have Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon who have, are both had a name Absolutely, at that point, yeah. and he wanted Paul Metzler's character to be somebody new and interesting, and you know he wanted to keep it local, and so that's how Chris Klein was discovered. Now, I always think to myself, like with movies, I think this movie's perfectly cast. And I always think to myself, do we only think that way just because that's, that's all, we, all we know. That's yeah. all we know. Right, and yeah. It's, it's just like if, if somebody else would have got the part and we saw the movie, we'd probably say they were perfect for it. But all of this, what I'm getting at is this is an interesting fact that uh, Jim McAllister's character, there were two other names that they wanted to go with first. Joe Pesci. Tom Cruise was the first first one. Alexander Payne said no, because Tom Cruise does not fit that character at all. 100% agree. Now, the second one that they were going to go with shocks me, and it's just like, and I don't see them. Sylvester Stallone. No, even though this is one of my favorite actors. Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Tom Hanks. They were looking at having him, but. uh, He's got too much of a. 
like reputation to exactly pull that role. What yeah. Alexander Payne I mean, like, was saying, he thought that that this role was too small for him. But at the same time, I don't think that even if he would have accepted the role, Tom Hanks is great in everything. But I don't know, like Matthew and Tom both are very similar in a lot of the stuff that they do, and they're they excel. I mean, but can you see Tom Hanks? Hunched over in a tub, scrubbing his balls. Well, you got to yes. think, though. I don't. I Tom can't Hanks see that. was in, like, Bachelor Party, and he was in. Yeah, when he was <laughs> younger. <laughs> I mean, he's he would have been. This would have been, what, around the time After that. After Castaway? Right around the time of Castaway. It would have been the movie right before Castaway. Yeah. He's middle-aged, I, I, and that's what the character calls for. I don't see him doing something like that. Right. And I don't know that I'd want to see him doing something. <laughs> and, I mean, the, the part of. Where he's fucking his wife. Fuck me, Mr. Man. Fuck me. Like, I don't... It's one of the most unsuccessful sex scenes. Like, uncomfortable, I should say. All right. You know, just fill me up. Fill me up. <laughs> fill me up. <laughs> the best part is after he's done, she's like, good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the funny thing is, though, that is, like, if you are trying to have a child, like, legitimately trying, <laughs> sex loses all, like... Yeah, we're having sex, and it turns into that like monotonous into a job. It's a progress we, really, yeah. yeah, it's like we have to have sex Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday as many times as possible. And like as a dude, you're like, hey, yeah. But what about Monday and Friday? Like, nope, those are unproductive days. Oh, <laughs> the ovulation so, cycle is yeah. a little, yeah. It's a re- real life thing. So, There's no joy, and it's like <laughs> get done already. That's the same way with <laughs> masturbating. Yeah. No. You schedule your time? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, between the hours of awake and asleep. We got <laughs> So, interesting thing. Uh, you, you guys know that scene uh, where he, Matthew Broderick, goes downstairs and pops in a porno. Mm-hmm. And it shows a football player and a cheerleader. So, funny story about that. That was actually, it was filmed by Alexander Payne, the porno scene. The girl actress, when I went about a month or so ago to get the license plates on my new car... And I was getting stuff out of my car. This lady was sitting on the hood of her car in the parking lot. And she's like, sick ink is what I think she said to me. Talking about the tattoos on the back of my legs. I'm like, thanks. Got to talking. And because one of them says horror, I told her, I was like, yeah, it's because I, I write and direct horror movies on the side. And she's like, oh, really? I was in a movie. I was in that election movie. And I'm like, oh, yeah, my sisters were extras in that, too. And she's like, no, I actually had a part. She was the chick, the cheerleader that was in the porno. And it's just like. You look at her in the movie, uh, nowadays, I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting. And she was telling me about how tasteful it was when they shot it and stuff. I mean, because in the movie, she's getting bang doggy style and she is topless and you see her. See some floppy flops. Some floppy. You don't see the whole thing. But then the funny story is our producer, Michael, the guy that played the football instructor or the football player in that porno was actually one of the casting directors and Michael hung out with him all the time when they're filming and stuff. So kind of a small world, but so she says you be the quarterback and I'll be the, the tight, tight end. end. <laughs> all we've done so far is talked about positive things about this movie. So I'm going to, all we've up. done is like 10 minutes into it. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to talk about a, a negative thing about this movie. I think the main reason, and this is me uh, movie wise, not production, not blah, blah, blah. Is getting into like movie world now. In my eyes, the main reason that uh, Matthew Broderick's character has such a feud with Reese Witherspoon's character is because his friend had an affair with her, right? That adultery. Yeah. yeah. Infidelity. Yeah. 
and we're in love. Right, yeah. And that ru- she ruined his life. Don't make fun of this. Hey, if you guys can't be adults, then you'll be treated <laughs> like children. <laughs> and then, like, he gets his comeuppance after he has his affair. His life spirals out of control. So is this movie, like, an allegory towards being faithful to a lover? The whole theme of it is pretty – because he's a civics teacher, and they keep on touching back and forth with, like, the morality and ethics and stuff. And – that's pretty much the whole theme of it is people are trying to teach something to somebody else, yet they're the ones guilty of the advice. Yeah. She's trying to win the election right. by pretty much sabotaging it. She's pulling down the posters. She's. But that, that was out of like rage. Like, what is Tracy's main problem? Like, she's dedicated and she, she wants to win. Like, sure, she got seduced and maybe did a, a moral act with an adult, um, but that's shaming a kid. Like, in a situation where a child and an adult have sex, yes, there's shame on both parts. Yes, the adult gets the majority of the guilt, but right. there is still some guilt on the child. Crazy in this flick that he didn't really flick. receive. Tracy flick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, he didn't really receive much, I mean, other than disintegrating his marriage right you know, he just was just kind of backing go. out as as the father figure and right you know it's like he, he went to what was it montana wisconsin somewhere around there yeah but tracy's biggest flaw in this film as an antagonist is that she is dedicated and that she wants to do good like she's she's very passionate she's very driven other than that like what's What's her flaw? Like, what's her deal? Nothing. Her mother. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Her I think her resources, her sources, whatever, like, she knows, or she at least has an idea of what a strong, independent woman is, you know, going by the frame of what her mom is, being a lawyer, knowing how to, and she knows the ins and outs of right. the, the system, the judicial, all this. Like, she pretty much wants to live, not necessarily live in that shadow, but create her own. But the... In the whole entire movie, there's one one scene where she gets upset. Well, two when she tears down the posters, but one scene in the movie where she loses control, and that's when that kid takes more gum than he's supposed to take. That is is her one time where she loses her calm. The rest of the time, she's organized, she's calm, she's safe, but everyone is against her because she's dedicated and she knows what she wants and she works her best to get there. I don't necessarily agree that just being calm is something. I mean, she's vindictiveness is kind of um, out of fear. It's like she's afraid of something, the results not coming to, as planned. As, well, that's that's anyone's problem but, whose goal is always to be the better version of themselves. Right. But I mean, like, not necessarily just losing your cool doesn't mean you're immoral or you can do it in, like, Using passion, I guess. Right. Passion and... Passion, drive, yeah. motivation, yeah. Those, there's a fine line between a lot of that, and you can use it progressively. What's the word? Positively. Yeah. She's still a child. She's a high schooler. Do you think that uh, Tammy, Paul's sister, Dude, I, is more of the evil one in the movie? No, I no, think no. she's actually the, the unsung hero of the whole situation. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I, I would also agree and that she didn't really care for the prize either. Being the hero and refusing a prize. Because she, is it really anarchy? 
because she's the one who kind of sees that there's a, a flaw in the system and right. she's trying to pull it down. If she would have won, I think things might have would have been better, but it wouldn't have set the other kids up for maybe outside of school because, I mean, it's just a school election, but right. living in the real world, if that's something you want to pursue, you don't have the experience or the knowledge know-how. So in your mind, Jim McAllister is the bad guy in this, he is, this movie? Yeah, he is the villain in this movie. But it's like the way they've done it is like they almost like make him out to be the... He, the, the good guy. Like I, I feel watching it younger and even watching it now, it's just like I don't know why there's such on my end hatred towards Tracy Flick. Yeah, it's, I, yeah, it's it's the it's the the thing is she's set up cinematically to look like the villain. Where, but if you actually look at the reasons why she is the villain, it's all things that make her a redeeming character. Like the reason people don't like her is because she's always progressively trying to better herself she's always trying to progressively better the situation of others that she's involved with the club she's in that's why i would say that she's more the bad guy and i would say put even though jim does some bad things more bad things i guess than she well i don't know if i want to say more you can kind of put the same point for jim too it's like she's also the way she is because of like, you know, the society, how she's right. kind of brung up to that. But he's also the, the same thing because of how things go. Like he's trying to make things not necessarily better for himself because she's doing everything selfishly. He's Maybe. doing everything to try to better everybody. It's like if she won, that would hurt a lot of people. Name me three redeeming factors that James has. Uh, up until certain points. I mean, he... I would say not even was, up until certain points. Give me in the movie, the entirety of the movie, three redeeming factors. Jim has, I wouldn't say he has like too many redeeming, but I wouldn't say she has any as well. I, I would say they're kind of a match. It's a draw. You know, the spin that Lonnie's put on this is really making me think. I mean, cause it's like you would like one of his redeeming factors could be, well, he got Paul to yeah. kind of step out and do, but the only reason he was having Paul do it is to go against. Yeah, to give her, because she was running unopposed. Yeah. Because everyone knew that she worked so hard for it. She got the 150 signatures she needed because everyone knew she was the right person for it. She was going to be it indefinitely, but yeah, he's the one who kind of stepped into the way to make it more of a challenge. I think a challenge helps better a lot of people, but. But it was, it was done out of spite. It wasn't done out of. The democracy, like he said, it was no, it was yeah. done out of spite because she didn't it want was her a, to win. No, not just that. It's he didn't like her because she got rid of his best friend. But yeah, I mean, it's selfish for him to want to stop her, but it's also selfish for her. They're pretty much the same character or the same coin on two different sides, yeah. no matter what you spin it. I mean, like the the I wouldn't say that she's redeeming at all. It's like even afterwards, it's like she was also trying to cheat and get the answer. I guess. You know, get the count, I guess, afterwards. Well, and his whole reason for messing with the count was seeing her jumping up and down outside the, the classroom. Right. And he, seeing that, he knew that she figured out that she won, and that's when he decided to crumple it up. So it's just like, was he right in doing that? Oh, well, he wasn't right, but, you know, neither was she with tearing down the posters, trying to, you know, get rid of the evidence, setting other people up. Which I don't She get. wasn't right trying to threaten another teacher with a... Uh, I guess all this this law jargon and stuff. I'm looking at it now again too from like what Lonnie was saying and I'm really looking into this like but her tearing down the posters, what did that really do? Everybody at school had already seen the posters. Everybody at school knows who's running, so it's just like tearing down the posters isn't really 
harming Paul's chances in any way. But then you also look too, like with the whole situation, I'm forgetting the character's name, but the teacher that had the affair with Tracy Flick. If you look at everything that happened, like when they first were talking, they had that meeting at Godfather's and the two of them stayed after. Well, he was the one kind of saying, well, you need a friend and I can be that friend. He's the one that when she was at the house was kind of seducing her and he went to the bedroom and stuff like that. I mean, and I'm not saying that she's innocent in it, but she wasn't the one. Yeah. Especially somebody who I'm pretty sure cases like this has come across like her mom's desk many times and her way to analyze certain things. She knows she's in a bad situation. She's by no means is at fault for this because he's the one directing everything. Right. Well, and he, and she didn't turn him in. It wasn't right. like she was the one who threw him under the bus. Right. She's he, got skeletons in her closet from day one. Right. So, in her eyes, she just found someone. We don't know in what case if she loved him back or not. To her, that could have just been another relationship of someone who she felt was an equal. It's like there was a line in here that says the weak are always trying to sabotage the strong. And I, looking at Tracy, I mean, she comes off as weak, but yeah, her sabotageness. How would you say that? Sabotage? Saboteurness. Saboteurness. Saboteur. Yeah. yeah. I mean, also, I guess you can say the same thing for both characters. Like I said, I, I think the way I see it, Jim and Tracy are the extremes on both sides. So let's put this to our listeners. If they listen to this and they have a chance to comment, who do you think is the bad person in this? What are your thoughts on what we've been talking Like, What I think is weird is this is one of the first comedy movies, really. I mean, not the first, but that we, we have on this. And we're going in deep with this. <laughs> like right. We're having some deep uh, conversations with this. And this is why I'm saying this movie was way too smart for its year. Yeah, I can see that. But yet it still had hilarious moments in it. it. It did. And we've been talking for a little bit now, and Lonnie has neglected to talk about how he had a role in this movie as the janitor. I did, yeah. <laughs> he was My, the- I was credited in that. Yeah, I was 14. <laughs> but you look like you were in your yeah, 60s. They had a lot of makeup in that role. Yeah, I, Justin took a side-by-side picture. I don't know how well it turned out, but he might post it with this somewhere or on our, our Facebook page. But, yeah, we I first saw it, and the first thing I thought was, like, that's fucking Lonnie without his beard. <laughs> and uh, even you have, like, the same glasses as yeah. he did. But I don't know if anyone had seen the, the PSA way back in the day. I don't know if 70s or 80s where they throw the – the garbage on the side of the road and the uh Indian American the in Native American person had, Italian. Tear, <laughs> had the tear run down his eye and this one's the same. They throw the Chinese food on the ground and <laughs> the janitor's t- has the head tilt and the tear running down his eye. That was totally me. <laughs> oh. hey, one of the things I well I guess a few things. His run. Well, he was running everywhere. He has like like that dweebish run. It's like, like, Are you talking but, about Matthew Broderick? Yeah. It's like I loved how nerdy he was getting all excited trying to get some and another thing i really loved about this uh movie is it's kind of like a throwback like just visiting since this is a local movie seeing all the places like the yonkers mall the slides downtown the all these things we see often yes or we used to see often landmarks these landmarks around town it's like holy shit like that's how it looked they were the zoo yeah yeah seeing the See in the jungle and the think of how it is from my part. That's the school I went to, and the school looked exactly the same. I mean, this I went there three years after it was filmed, and I mean, the classroom that they were that was Mr. McAllister's classroom 
that was one of my classes that I had. And it's like every day that I was in there, I'd look out that window and I'm just like, that's where Tracy Flick was bouncing up and down. And I mean, the, the pits up front when you walk in, the gym, it, it's just, it's crazy. And the fi- the opening scene where he's on the field running the track, yeah. that's the field when I was in band, drumline, where we would practice. Nerd. And just yeah, <laughs> and just seeing off in the background, like you could see Baker's that was in Brentwood Square, which is no longer there, Baker's. It was just thinking back to like, God, 1997, there was so much stuff around that area. It was just like a time machine movie. Yeah. Yeah. I liked how, yeah, it, it was awesome. So the name of the school it was shot at was uh, Papillion La Vista High School. Um, at the time, that was the only Papillion school. Now there's a Papillion South. But, yeah, it was Papillion La Vista High School, and it was, uh, I just remember driving by and seeing how they changed it, the sign out front, the marquee on 84th Street to say G.W. Carver High School. And I'm like, that was my first thing. I'm like, what the fuck? They're changing the name of the school. And then my sisters were actually in high school at the time when they were filming that and were actually extras in the bleachers. But then they were kind of filling me in on like what's going on there. And at the time that was right after cable guy, which you guys know is one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies. It's a great movie. And uh, my sisters were saying about how Matthew Broderick was in it and the gym scene, whenever he would be brought out, a bunch of people would be like yelling cable guy. And apparently Matthew Broderick didn't want to have anything to do with that, so. Yeah, they filmed this at one of my friends' house, too. Like, the, I believe it was the House of Dave's, Dave and his ex-wife. Um, my friend Dan Cavanaugh, he, I remember, it was it was 1997, October of 1997. I just messaged him. He's like, oh, yeah. Does so, his parents still live there? I don't know. I can check. Because we could do a then and now segment. Yeah, they, won't, they won't let us in. They let no. Alexander Payne and a camera crew in, but they won't let us in. Yeah, a small-time podcast. I'll uh, bring my cameras. We're big time. <laughs> yeah. Big time. We're getting almost 100 uh, downloads a month. He wow. meant 100,000 downloads a month. Give us a few months. Yeah. Well, we're Boosh. Getting there. It's, it's getting there. We'll watch some racy movies. Yeah. Oh. Like Short Bus. So before I get into some of the... Um, Connie Chung. <laughs> <laughs> no Connie Chung. Uh, before I get into some of the like facts that I found out about this movie... This is a little, I didn't do much research on it. I thought of this, and then in talking to somebody else, uh, they said, yeah, I think that was a thing, but you both have seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, correct? Uh-huh. Do you think that Mr. McAllister is actually Ferris grown up trying to be an adult, but you can kind of see his old immature ways coming out into this role as the teacher? Yep, that's it. Nah, I don't think he'd leave Chicago to come to Omaha. Maybe he was forced to. Who would, who, how would I mean, he get you, forced to come to Omaha? Look how bad that kid was in high school. You know, once he got out of high school, he was into some bad things. Maybe he had to leave and start over. I mean, Omaha's not far away from Chicago. <laughs> but don't you think it's kind of interesting, you know, yeah, that's Fer- the Ferris parallels, Bueller. Yeah. I mean, just it, it's kind of cool because Ferris Bueller was like, Obviously, one of his pop, most popular movies that he's oh, done. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And he was the student that was raising hell for the teacher, and now he's playing, not necessarily, he's not playing a principal, but he's playing a teacher, and there's a student that's kind of raising hell for him. No? Nothing? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> on to the next topic. Yeah. He has this I'm, uh, tinfoil hat on. I'm in thought. I, I just agree. Yeah. You said Fierce Bueller, and then you said uh, McAllister. It's even rhymes, man. Whew. What else I liked about this is uh, 
You know that part where she's riding her bike down after she gets suspended, Tammy? And it was just like an open field. Now all of those are houses now. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. I've always wanted Paul Metzler's house. I've always was curious to look up like where that was at and go drive by it. There was I, something looked, I did see that had like all the addresses of where they filmed and everything. I'm sure it's easy to find, but <laughs> I, I guarantee you that area, because even in the movie, you could houses were being developed yeah. in the background, so it's probably oh, way man. different looking. I love how insensitive, maybe? Just non-sensitive. Lack of caring or anything. He's When he's talking to Tammy, he's like, because you're adopted. Like, <laughs> like I mean, I'm assuming she already knows about you know the adoption or something like that, but he says it like... Um, not necessarily heartless, just without a care, without a second thought. But he doesn't know. Yeah. Like, he's just... Words are words, and, you know, feelings are... Eh. Well, when he's praying, and he thanks God for what he's told is a big penis. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And even the editing software back then, when Tracy's, like, you know, fixing up something. Oh, that picture like, when she's... I'm like, oh, God, I couldn't do that these days. So, an interesting fact about that movie, too, is Reese Witherspoon, she actually was torn because... As much she did a great job as a flick, but she was actually she actually wanted the part of Tammy, Paul's sister, because yeah. of one line, and that's when uh, she's talking in her speech, and she said, "Who cares about this stupid election?" That line right there made it very difficult for Reese to figure out which character she really wanted to be. Now, it goes back to earlier in the podcast when I said about roles and were the actors perfect for it. What do you think this movie would have been like with uh, Reese Witherspoon as Tammy Metzler? Mm. I think that role could have been different people. I don't know if I could see Reese Witherspoon as that role. She doesn't really have that rebellious image to me. She's very Well, she kind of like balances on two things. Like that character has a bit of rebelliousness and also disillusionment because she's like seeing so much into like she has that teenage angst. Yeah. And her friend is she thinks her friend is leading her on or, or, you know, she's reading the signs wrong, but like how she's just like, so in awe of her female friend, like thinking she's a lesbian as well, you know, and not to the very end, which I really liked where her parents are like, the nuns will straighten you out when she's going all lesbian on a, in a nunnery. <laughs> so another interesting fact, the Omaha public school district was horrified by the script and when Alexander Payne and them were going around to the schools in Omaha, they forbid, the Omaha Public School Board forbid any Omaha public school from letting them film this movie because it was R-rated and the the context of it. But in comes Papillion. Papillion is a suburb of Omaha and not part of Omaha Public uh, Schools. So I don't know what that says about my uh, high school I graduated from. They're like, fuck that, it, that, let them in. That they're just like, yeah, we'll have a movie like this uh, yeah. film here. We know what the revenue is going to do for this school. Well, and I don't know what the school made from this movie. I mean, if the movie only grossed just under $15 million, probably not much. But, I mean, I'm sure they got a nice cut from the right. movie. And it wasn't long after I graduated there that they did all these remodels because – the outside of the school, the front of the school looks nothing like it did in the movie. They've built forward. looks completely different. The side field, the opening scene, that's pretty much the same. That's They might have added some bleachers or whatever, but yeah. I think that was a smart move on Papillion's part yeah. to do that. You know what it made? More money than the Omaha schools did. <laughs> this is true. Which, you know, I don't know. This movie was still not when I... Because I graduated in 2002, 
three years after the movie came out, I mean, it still wasn't that popular thing. It's like you talked back then. It's like, yeah, there was a movie election shot at my school. Nobody really knew what it was. Yeah. Um, There's a part where Mr. McAllister is kind of where he's trying to get lucky with his wife's friend, with his best friend's ex-wife. Which she put the moves on him. Yeah, she did. And then she kind of went to go. It made me seem like his wife was kind of putting her friend up to see if you know he would cheat on her because she was asking questions and not getting any answers. And I was wondering if that was so. And then, like, why would you go along or go, go through with it and then go cry to her her friend? Yeah. Aren't you the asshole in this too? And well, and that's like I've never been in that situation because it's like, hey, I haven't been married. B, oh, yeah. I haven't really had a girlfriend. Oh yeah, and I wouldn't cheat. But like when he comes home after she stood him up and whatnot, and he just opens the fridge, gets a beer, and then you hear her friend's baby, baby cry, and you can just see the life drain out of him, and like even his slow walk down the hallway to peek in the living room, it's like very uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. yeah, especially the one good eye and the one bad eye. <laughs> Which he just got stung, man. Stung bad. Ow, uh-huh. bastard! <laughs> oh. One thing I really miss is that opening of the astronaut MTV logo. Yeah. Seeing that, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Also, a kind of a mishap <laughs> in the very beginning, where Tracy's setting up the tables and laying all the clipboards, clipboards. and stuff out. She opens the table with five legs on it <laughs> she well when she snaps it open it's like one two three four five and then she sets it up and it's a four four legged table i didn't catch that one i when she has the cupcakes and it says pick flick i wonder if they picked the last name flick on purpose because the l and the i look like a u so it looked like it says pick fuck <laughs> <laughs> because as she's holding up i'm like oh wait the l and the i are kind of run together and it's like an MTV movie, you know, they could have done that on purpose. Who did you vote it for? Tammy, Paul, Tracy? Well, Tammy was disqualified, so she wouldn't have been on the ballot. So it would have been between Tracy and Paul. I would have probably picked Tracy, to be honest with you. Yeah. I would have picked Paul, even though he didn't know what he was doing. He seemed like he would be open for the help. I would have picked the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah. Which, by <laughs> the way, he was a door greeter at the papillion uh target which was right across the street from the high school and it's just like after that movie like he he was quite popular after that movie <laughs> and he wasn't at target much longer after that but i haven't seen him he got movie. he made it big <laughs> do you, here's a question for the movie do you think if tracy was caught tearing the posters down if she would have been disqualified from the competition or they would have let her stay in i think she might have had some sort of uh, action against her. I don't know about disqualification since, I mean, like, even Paul wanted her to win. And he didn't even want to run against her, but he was kind of put up to it. Yeah, kind of forced um, into it. I just don't understand how nobody saw that. Like, she could not have been the only one in school that late. Like, the janitor, janitor would have still been there. And with that hallway was a fucking mess. Like, and the noises she was making... Somebody have had to have seen that. So. Yeah, yeah. I would assume the janitor, unless, I mean, they got their Walkman on, little disc jockey. Well, think about it this way. If, no, like, she was, yeah, fuck you. Um, like, she got, she would have gotten in trouble for tearing down the posters, like Tammy did. But there was no repercussions for people going around putting posters over her posters. Like, that's 
basically the equivalent of taking her posters down. For the most part. thing I don't get is, like, Tammy could have fixed everything, but as of an, I don't know, an anarchist that she was, of a not giving a shit. Well, it's not even not giving a shit. She basically just came out and said... This this is a stupid war. Yeah. Well, like, the only reason she was doing it dumb. because of the girl that she lost. She wanted to be expelled. That yeah. was her whole purpose. Well, well she didn't be not for at first. The ex- not at first. Expulsion. She, her want of getting into the race was to get back at her. She brother. didn't even give a shit about Tracy. She was just she was collateral damage. She got into it to get back at her brother for her girl sucking her brother's cock. Like that was why she Ooh. got in. Like. <laughs> <laughs> she got in she got in the race basically just to be a nuisance. She had no ambition to be in it. And the fact that her brother still loved her and still was like I win that would be cool or she could win and that would be cool as well if as long as one of us wins. Like that love and that motivation dedication like that just one of those things that Paul is still like he's the man. Like he's awesome. There was a chick I was I went to school with around the time that this came out named Paula, who kind of had like that goody two shoe like she came off as uh, a Tracy, but she turned into a really cool chick. So I can't fault her. Also, Paul like he was reading the Celestine prophecy, which I think I don't know if we would have enjoyed it. Looking up on like Goodreads.com, there was like so many one stars and so many five stars, kind of like equal. But I would say for the BPT. We would probably hate it. Okay. Yeah. I wanted um, to get that out of there. Don't waste your time. Okay. I was going to ask you this, Justin. Don't. <laughs> and you probably didn't pick up on it, and I didn't really read too much into it myself. So he's drinking Pepsi. Mm-hmm. And then she talks about Coke. Being Coke. The most- and then you notice when he goes into his refrigerator to get a beer when he gets home that night. It's a Coke. It's all Coke in there now, not yeah. Pepsi. What was the meaning behind that? Because he's being... He's trying to go against the grain. That's kind of one of the things that he was doing from the start, mainly triggered by his best friend or ex-best friend. <clears throat> I think they're still friends. I don't know if they've had any contact. It, yeah, at least it wasn't implied, but yeah. No, I think it's kind of like more of a overpowering. How many cans of Cokes did you see? That's important. Two. <laughs> you said full of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so I got a couple more things here. So, Paramount was very skeptical about doing an R-rated high school movie, but they rolled the dice with it, and a lot of people are saying that Election was actually the start of things like American Pie, which American Pie came out a year later, and as we said earlier, Guess who was Chris in it? Klein was in oh. it, and that was a lot more... Emilio Estevez. <laughs> the Mighty Duck, man, I swear to God. Fuck the Mighty Duck. But, uh, but yeah, like I mean, American Pie was obviously a lot more sexual yeah that was that that yeah that took the rated r turned it into a hard r but it was this movie that led other filmmakers and companies to be like okay well they got away with it we can get away with it but also they said too that the show glee was inspired by the movie election Hmm. which i never watched much of glee i know it's like a musical type thing but I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, me either, because I have a penis. (laughs) Well, Justin's apparently watched it. I haven't seen it. I heard really good things about it, but I haven't seen it. The kid who played Larry Fouch, I was really surprised to see him. I forgot his name, but he's been in Final Destination, Gotham, Heroes, uh, Office. Yep. It's like that was... Chan's uh, uh, assistant. Yeah. 
took me by the... Anyway, <laughs> I was going to say, too, so there was an alternate ending. Yes, he never left Omaha. Yep, well, he, uh, the one that I, uh, maybe it was a different one, I guess it never said if he left or not, but the alternate ending was uh, Tracy comes to uh, Jim McAllister's job, which I think it was going to be like... Car salesman. Yeah, car salesman. They exchange a few words. She drives him to her place. He apologizes, then signs her yearbook. That's a pretty lame ending to what the rest of the movie yeah, was. Yeah, that... Uh, I prefer this I, movie. I prefer that. the ending, yeah, with the shake. Well, and that's just Alexander Payne just said that you can't have this whole movie and then do the soft ending like that, like everybody oh everybody's happy now they get along it's like no you got to go the route which brings me to the last thing that i had on my list is that last scene where he throws the milkshake at oh, yeah. the limo and then runs off you notice he's running towards the white house mm-hmm. he almost got arrested because <laughs> he running at the white house because he was told to just keep running and alexander payne never yelled cut and he kept running and he got passed into the park and as the closer he the got first to level. it they said that they have a bunch of secret service people that are in disguise as homeless people, walking dogs. He said that Matthew Brock said all these homeless people all started getting up and started like acting all weird and like reaching in and they're like walking towards him. And he finally stopped and the crew apparently had to come over and say like, oh, we're filming a movie because a major Hollywood blockbuster movie star was killed today. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if he would have kept <laughs> running and things got worse, but I'm Matthew Broderick. Don't you know? Yeah. Oh. But I thought that was kind of an interesting little story mm, there. So. I didn't hear about that one. That's cool. Yeah. I think what tops this what is most memorable. I mean, as much as I love that Chris Klein little reaction, <laughs> Tammy's speech, I think takes everything. Because it just, it's pretty much the IMDb. It wraps everything up. Like, this is, you know, pointless to do, yet we're still going to, you know, play the dog and pony show thing. Yeah. There's not too much I would change about this. Are we going into that now? Yeah. Yeah. There's not too much I can change about this because, I don't know, I think all the scenes and, like, the fast cuts and stuff, I think, were necessary. I like that style, like, Shaun of the Dead, like, you know. Well. And that's another reason Payne liked this movie is all the the voiceovers and flashbacks and right. all those quick cuts. In the beginning, it was a little confusing and discombobulating doing like the time jump cuts and stuff. But I think the message got on track right when you figured out what was going on. What's what? Yeah, it was a lot of information to take in yeah. at first, but then it all made sense. I loved how every time they would pause on Tracy, she had like the weird looks on her face yeah, yeah. and she does like this little talking out the side of her mouth every now and then like uh, yep oh do me do me mr m it's not all she does out of the side of her mouth oh. what else does she do out the side of her mouth eat skittles oh lonnie what would you change my name to skittles <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a good movie i think the only thing i would have done well, more like with more of the three of them running for president i think they they dropped the ball with that being such a small part of the movie, but then the movie would have been longer. It, I think it was good doing what they did, but yeah. I think, I guess also adding on to the bulk of the review here is I think we all agree that the, the most integral person in this entire movie is the janitor. Yeah. <laughs> it's like without yeah. him, shit probably would have gone somewhere else. You're welcome. The only thing I would have changed about this movie is I would have either had it come out two years prior or two years later on an election year. <laughs> yeah. Because it came out in 99. If they would have waited two more years, 2001, I think that 
just the name alone would have got more viewership to it on accident. Yeah, exactly. And I think that would have just been smarter uh, promoting of the movie to do it that way. So that would be my only thing. And I do agree with like maybe more of the three of them yeah. and stuff. So, so that was a fun movie. Um, yeah. Lonnie, we, we don't know about the next one. I don't know yeah. if we might have a special guest, but yeah, if gonna, we don't, we're going to, we're going to roll the dice. I've got a couple in mind that we're going to see, but like I said, it's it's a roll in the dice as of now. I'm I'm getting surgery done. I've already had surgery done. Um, <laughs> hopefully he survives. Hopefully I survived it. Um, but yeah, we're gonna play it by ear. Um, like Jeremy said, maybe we'll have a guest. Maybe we won't. Maybe I'll be a call-in guest. Maybe I won't. We don't know. We're gonna play by ear and see how it goes. Yeah, but uh, do you have an idea of what movie it would be? <laughs> so one I know of you wanted us to watch it together. I know, and and I don't know if that's going to be able to Holding happen hands. now. If it's not, if we're we're not going to be able to get together and watch it, I think it's going to be one of two movies. If we can't get together, it's either going to be Super Dark Times, which is a great movie. It's a coming of age suspense thriller. Uh, I think I did. Oh yeah, about the the boy with the knife, the, uh, okay. sword. Yeah, sword. Yes. Okay. Um, or Birdemic. Never heard of that one. Birdemic. Interesting. Uh, I've never seen Birdemic either. I haven't either. So it'll be a great... I think it, that's one of those things we do is we pick a movie that we've seen and we all kind of like it. I th that That's a pick I've seen, but I've never watched. So it'll be a good opportunity for we all going with a fresh set of eyes and we all come out of it going, huh, what was that? All right. I'm down for it. That's so, what this is for. And that's uh, I object. easy to find because it's... It's on Tubi and it's free. Yeah, yeah. That's the best thing about it. And, and, and this one, uh, we haven't been doing this enough, which we should be doing. Uh, this movie you can find on Netflix for free. Yep. Um, it's on Prime. Or Amazon Prime. Prime, Prime. Prime as well yeah. for free. Or you can rent it on uh, uh, any VOD, I think. Right. Yeah, I've been putting it in the description as far as where you can find it if I am, if it's legal. <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. usually isn't. What, it's it's always legal. I mean, you can always rent it on YouTube. Yeah, Prime. Yes. So. Or you can find me and you can rent it from me because I probably have it on DVD because I still collect. And by rent, he means you have to watch it as Housewife. He smells the back of your neck for two hours. Exactly. That's the best way to watch a movie. All right. So episode nine of the BPT movie review is done in the books. We will be back in two weeks with episode 10. We will keep you posted on what the movie's going to be. Uh, but yeah, join us next Monday for our regular podcast of the Boundless Pod Trap. So for Lonnie and Justin, I am Jeremy. We want to thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This concludes our broadcast day. Click.